I think also the intergenerational piece, spending more time with people that are older and younger than you is so powerful. It's been proven to lead to more purpose and more growth and learning for both sides, for everyone involved. And it can be really healthy. And I think one of the things that we saw maybe through the pandemic is that, you know, our culture specifically in the United States, doesn't do the best job of taking care of older people. And that we could certainly do a better job of really having that as part of fundamental part of our culture and our society. So I hope that another thing that emerges from this is that we think about that more and think about how we can get get more involved, whether it's volunteering or spending more time with people that are older than us and, and really kind of having those conversations, reaching out to a grandparent or a great aunt or uncle more than just, you know, infrequently and really developing those relationships, I think is really beautiful. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And one of the hardest things about these last 15 months or so has been the inability for many to see loved ones, friends, and coworkers in person. Things like loss of connection and feelings of loneliness and isolation have caused so much havoc on the health of so many people and social media and technology have quickly risen to take the place of these interpersonal connections, which isn't the greatest alternative. And while the pandemic could be the easy thing to blame for these issues, I am afraid they started long before. It has been reported that the average American hasn't made a new friend in five years, which is extremely disheartening. And I think by now we all know the benefits of deep personal connections and relationships. Studies show that they help us live longer, feel better, and improve our health. With that said, I couldn't think of a better time to talk about this topic. Meet today's guest and connection guru, Adam Smiley Pozwalski, who goes by Smiley. Smiley is a millennial workplace expert. He's a motivational speaker and author. He helps companies attract, retain, and empower millennial talent and has inspired thousands of professionals to be more engaged at work. He has a TED Talk that has been viewed more than 1.5 million times and has spoken in 20 countries about millennials, multi-generational engagement, and fostering connection and belonging in the workplace. His latest book, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, An Optimist Guide to Connection, essentially gives the reader simple and effective habits for starting new relationships and strengthening existing ones, which will be the focus of our discussion in this episode. And today's conversation is going to educate you on what's at the root cause of these feelings of loneliness and isolation, while ultimately giving you the blueprint and the tools needed to create connections and rebuild relationships so that you can live a healthier, happier, and longer life. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Smiley Pozwalski to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Smiley, welcome to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. And I can tell by a lot of your work, I can tell by your message, a lot of the things you talk about in your TED Talk, in your books, and in your content, like why you're called Smiley, because you're somebody that I think just lives life with such optimism, which I think is is so needed, especially during times that we're in now with the pandemic and people still being isolated and facing a lot of uncertainty and fear. And one of the things that I always say is, while not every situation is going to be positive or the best, 
you have to maintain some level of positivity or optimism to get through it. Otherwise, you pretty much disqualify yourself from getting through the setback or the adversity that you're facing. So I think a good place for us to start is I know one of your previous books where you talk about the, your quarter life crisis and you have a Ted talk that has, I think over 1.5 million views where that was almost, in, that was inspired from your own battle where you were unfulfilled at a job that you thought you'd be happy with. You're making great money and you just found yourself kind of a little bit lost. So I want to ask like, what was the inspiration behind your latest book where you talk about making friends during this time of, of loneliness? Was it something you saw just the reaction with people during the pandemic? Was it something with your own experience? Where'd that come from? Yeah. So this book actually was born uh, much <laughs> long, long time before COVID 2017. So it's very timely, obviously right now, but I actually started writing it in 2017 after the death of one of my best friends. So one of my best friends passed away at the age of 32. His name was Levi Felix. And he had actually started a summer camp for adults called Camp Grounded, which is a tech-free digital detox summer camp for adults. So part of the reason I started writing this book is I wanted to capture the lessons that he taught me as someone that was all about friendship in the digital age, meaningful connection, connecting offline, and just kind of celebrating play for adults, right? This idea that, you know, as children, we play so easily, right? We have recess and we have school and it's like, go make a friend. <laughs> All you're supposed to do in the next hour is make a friend. Have you made a friend yet? That's the whole point of your existence when you're a kid. And when you become older and become an adult, it becomes much harder to do that. We actually don't have those places, especially as we leave high school and college and then grow up and have families, get married, have kids, move across the country, it becomes a lot harder to actually maintain those friendships. So I wanted to capture those lessons. I also wanted to speak to my own experience of loneliness, call attention to the fact that I'm an extrovert, right? I have lots of social connections. I have an active social media life. I have 4,000 Facebook friends or whatever it is, but I actually feel lonely a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And that that's okay. And if you actually look at the data, nearly two thirds of Americans are lonely. Two thirds, more than 60%. So if I'm feeling this way, other people probably are too. And I wanted to kind of normalize it and say, hey, you know, we're all experiencing this. Let's talk about it more. Let's talk about the fact that we're all looking for deeper, more meaningful connections as an adult and that that's hard. And maybe if we talk about it more, we can find what we're all looking for. And then lastly, of course, I wanted to capture kind of this unique moment of writing a book about friendship and connection during the pandemic and why that's really difficult, but so important. And I hope what emerges from this is the sense that we've all experienced something really hard. Let's celebrate and cherish our friends. Let's mm -hmm. emerge from this experience, realizing just how important our relationships are and that our friendships are probably the most important thing in our life. And let's live like that. Let's spend more than 4% of our time with our friends. Prior to the pandemic, we were spending only 4% of our time with our friends. Meanwhile, we're spending 50 minutes a day on Facebook, 50 minutes a day on Instagram, checking email 70 times, checking our phones 150 times a day. Let's spend a little bit more time with our friends. Dang, is, is that what it is? We check our phones 150 times a day? Yeah, there's Something different like stats, that. but that's the that's the main one I always hear. Yeah, that's well. That's I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I think about as you were saying that, I was like, how many times do I check my phone? And I don't know if it's 150, but I know it's more than I should. And I think I was also reading where I think the average person hasn't made a new friend in five years. Is is that that's true? Right. That's right. Yeah, that was also before COVID. So that was a 2019 stat. Wow. So I mean, it clearly 
as we're communicating right now, we're in probably the, the most lonely time of our lives with pandemic, with obviously the divorce rates have spiked. So people were, were lonely either without their partner or lonely in the relationship. People are spending more time even on technology and social media. So that's taking them away from their interpersonal relationships and go on and on with these examples. And I know that this, this state of loneliness, it seems from what you were saying and what you've said, it started way before COVID and COVID just expedited this already incredibly, you know, insurmountable problem, if you will, that that we're facing right now, because it's not exactly an easy one that we're facing. Right. So what do you think, is the, is the main culprit of this? Is it being in the wrong relationships? Is it hanging around the wrong people? I mean, we've talked about technology. Is it lack of fulfillment? Like, what do you think the, is it the root cause of this? Yeah. So there's a number of factors, but, you know, just to kind of pull back a little bit, what loneliness really is, is the subjective perception of isolation. Mm. So that's kind of the, what the science shows. It's the, the difference between one's desired level of connection and actual level of connection. So it's that gap. It's looking around and saying, oh my gosh, I wish I had what those people are having, or I want to feel something different, or I should feel more connection. It's that desire um, and that gap. And I think a big piece of that gap, especially when you look at loneliness levels, which are spiking among young people, 80% of Gen Z, 70% of millennials are lonely. I think that gap has a lot to do with social media and technology, right? So people spending a lot of their time online or apps kind of saying, you know, looking at the highlight reels of their friends, constantly comparing themselves to people on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook and saying, whoa, everyone's life looks so cool. Or why wasn't I invited to that event? Or, you know, how come I'm alone on Friday night when they're hanging out, even though the photo might be like two years old, (laughs) but you see it and you kind of feel that gap. So I think that that's a big piece there. I also think that, you know, we've just as a society decided to spend a lot more time, you know, working and living through our computers and less time kind of outside spending time with each other. So I think that that's a big piece of it. I think that we don't talk about it enough. I think we all are feeling it, but we don't express it in words. And that this is really the time where we say like the science shows that the the most important key to a healthy and happy life is social relationships. Harvard did a study that found that the people that are happiest and healthiest at the age of 80 are the people that have the healthiest social relationships at the age of 50. Not about money, how much success they have, wealth, power, influence, none of that. Social relationships are the key to a healthy and happy life, but we're not focused on it, or we're certainly not focused on it past college. And we don't we don't build our lives around it. You know, we find, you know, one bedroom apartments or, or, or we move far away from our family. We move far away from our friends. We don't decide, oh, why don't we just have a bunch of friends living near each other, even if we have different places, but let's live, live like that. That's just not how we're as a society building our lives. So I'm hoping that, you know, we do more of that. I'm also just hoping that we kind of say, hey, it's not enough to be passive about this stuff. We have to be intentional about it. You know, one of the parts, the sections in my book is called invest in friendship. It is an investment. It's about, it takes time and energy. You can't just kind of sit back and expect, oh, why didn't this person invite me somewhere? Or how come no one ever talks to me or reaches out? No, you got to do those things, right? You got to schedule things. You got to plan events. You got to reach out to people. You got to create correspondence habits and stay in touch with people. And, you know, you mentioned this idea, I call it finding believers, right? finding people that are really going to be in your corner. And I think that we assume that the people that we just met or the people that we are already our friends or those believers, sometimes they're not, (laughs) right? 
What yeah. we need is people in our lives that are going to stand behind us and stand up for us when we're, especially when we're going through hard times. And, you know, I'll give an example of when I was going through my, you know, quarter life crisis, which was when I was close to the age of 30. So it was a little bit post quarter life, but I call it quarter life just because, you know, I may not live to 120, but that's cool. And I was going through this, you know, quarter life crisis. I was working in Washington, DC, working a job for the federal government. I was pretty unhappy. Things on paper were going great, had a good job, good, good salary, healthcare benefits, all that. But in, in, inside I was miserable. And then I met some believers. I met, I went to this leadership program and I met people that were like, wait a second, Smiley, wait a second. You want to move across the country. You want to start writing books. You want to move to California. You want to do something different with your life. Like you got to do that. If you don't do that, who the hell is going to do it? And what the crazy thing happens is when you find believers, you also find accountability, someone that's going to actually hold you accountable to your dreams. And I met somebody at that program, my buddy, Evan, and he texted me every single week after that program. Have you had the talk with your boss yet? Have you had the talk with your boss yet? Have you had the talk with your boss yet? So I'd be in meetings, you know, with government officials getting these calls and texts from Evan. And it, you know, it's like, what, oh my God, what does this guy keep calling me? But the only reason I did end up having that talk with my boss, moving 3000 miles across the country, starting this whole new life, becoming a writer, now writing three books and building this whole new life and new career is because I had believers and I found that accountability. So it can be incredibly powerful when you have those people and it can be incredibly damaging when you don't. Yeah. When you have people that kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, here we go again. You want to quit your job. Here you go again. You're going to start a podcast. Yeah, everyone's doing a podcast. You're going to write a book. Crap, you know, you're never going to write it, right? You want, to, you want to get a promotion. You want to switch up your job at your company. You said that last week, have another beer, right? You have these people that are kind of haters, right? Or naysayers or not believers, right? So we need to make sure, you know, not every friend has to have, be a believer, right? But right, right. we need to have some people that are believers in our lives and that are encouraging our personal growth, our professional growth, that really know what our North Star is or our dreams are, where we're trying to go and are helping us always and nudging us along the way. Those people are incredibly valuable or essential. Yeah. And I love what you said about people holding you accountable because you know one of the things that I say often is that you should surround yourself with people that love support and challenge you to be your best self. So like, not only are people encouraging you, believing in you, but they're checking you when you're not being your best. Like you said, your friend Evan was like texting you like, Hey, did you do what you said you were going to do? Or like, I have friends that'll call me on my stuff. If I'm not, you know, acting in a way that's accordance with who I want to be, or if I'm not getting stuff done that, that I want to accomplish. And I think it's so important because you don't want a bunch of like, yes, people in your life too, that are just whatever you do, there's like, yeah, great, great. They, you want to make sure that you have people that are believing in you and encouraging you, but also know you well enough to be able to call you out on your stuff. If you're not like be, staying true to who you are. And that's where I think being able to foster these deep connections and deep relationships comes into play because in order for someone to be able to know you to that depth, you have to build a deeper connection than just surface level messaging on Facebook, messaging on Instagram, watching each other's TikTok videos. There has to be this face-to-face interpersonal interactions regularly with people for that to be able to get cultivated. Right. You have to have that ability to go deep, not just wide, right? It's not just about, I think, 
you know, the new generation has kind of been taught. It's like, oh, just acquiring connections, followers, fans, add one, add one, add one. Right. But it's much more about the depth. It, you know, a lot of research has found what people are really lacking is the meaningful connections and the depth. It's not that they don't have people or no people. It's that they have don't have people that they can go deep with or that they feel that they have that deep, nuanced, textured relationship with. And that's what we're looking for. And that, you know, frankly, takes time. Right. You know, there was a study that found that it takes 90 hours with someone for them to even be a, considered a real friend, 200 hours for them to be considered a close friend, someone that you have a real emotional connection. So that can be intimidating, but it also can be, I think, a little bit liberating because it's like, okay, this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen one time at the gym or at one event or one conference or networking. It's going to take time. You got to build a relationship slowly and give it that space to really grow. And I like what you were saying about kind of challenging, you know, Adam Grant talks about this in his new book, Think Again, but having a challenge network, right? So it's not just about having people that, you know, are going to say yes, or believe everything you say are the same as you or have the same ideas or beliefs as you. It's having people in your circle that can challenge you or have new ideas or are going to say, oh, what about this? Or have you thought about this? Or I think you could do better. Or, I think you should check this out too. And getting kind of that diversity of ideas and, and perspectives and experiences is, is super important. Yeah. And I love how you, you alluded to uh, loneliness a little bit ago about it's a sense of, it's almost a sense of being and not necessarily like a physicality thing where like, it's not like, I mean, there's a difference between somebody who's just alone, hanging out, working on themselves. Just maybe they went through a recent breakup or they're just in a spot where they know they need to be spending some time, like getting deep and gaining some introspection on themselves so that they can become a better friend or learn where they want to go in life or set some goals or whatever it is versus, you know, somebody who's just sitting at home maybe they're in a, they're with a spouse or maybe they're with friends where they're just the per, they just feel miserable because they know there's no connection there and it's right. not aligned with where they want to go in life. And they know that these people are consistently bringing them down or influencing them somehow to make decisions that aren't aligned with their future self or whatever it is. And that's loneliness because, uh, you know, it's better, I think, to, to be alone, like by yourself, working on yourself than to be around a community of people and feel alone because you're no longer aligned with, with the people that you're spending time with. Right. And I interview a guy in the book, Ankit, who talks about this good alone time, right? right? So, you know, alone time where you're, you know, you really would rather be with people or you feel socially isolated and don't have any connection in your life and really need it, or you're going through a hard time. That's not, that's not necessarily a positive thing, right? Uh, but good alone time where it's a little bit more intentional, where you kind of seek out, okay, maybe it's Sunday evening. Maybe it's, yeah. you know, once a week where you're going to say, okay, I'm going to spend this time alone. I'm not trying to make plans and I'm not going to be jealous. If I see people doing something else, I'm not, I'm not going to feel left out. I actually, am going to say, okay, this is time for me to gather my thoughts, go for a walk you know, be in my room, listen to my favorite playlist, write in my journal, meditate, read a book, space out, draw, whatever, right? That that's actually can be or go for a walk in nature. That can be really, really positive and really healthy and actually help you connect to yourself, which can help you connect with others. I mean, we can't belong to other people in, in community and connection without belonging to ourselves first, without right. understanding ourselves, without having that self-growth, that self-confidence, that self-understanding, self-awareness. You can't show up in a room of other people. You can't foster that for other people without first creating it for yourself. So I think that that good alone time that Anka talks about that is crucial and that we all need to be, build that in more. And that if we spend more time intentionally being alone and feeling okay being alone and actually looking forward to being alone, 
that we're going to feel less lonely and we're going to actually, you know, be more connected to self, to friends, to community. Well, and it just shows how important community is to us because I think on both a conscious and subconscious level, we as humans equate not being around other people's is somehow having a low quality of life, right? Like that's the, I just think about for me, like if I'm, you know, either have nothing to do during the weekend, or maybe if I'm not in a relationship, whatever it is, somehow in the back of my mind, I'm like, am I doing the right thing in life? Am I really like on the right path? And, and obviously I know like that I am, and I'm on the right journey, but of course, just as in human nature, you're going to question yourself when you're spending time by yourself. So that's why I think, like you said, like human connection is so important, whether it's whether where you're in the good times, whether you're in the bad times, just making sure you have that group of people that you can be interconnected with on a regular basis is what's going to allow you to not only elevate the times that you're in that are good to be great and also help you get out of the bad times. I think a little bit faster because you're going to have people to kind of lift you up out of that dark place. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's not just when things are going good. It's who's going to be there when things aren't. And yeah. I think we saw that in the pandemic is a lot of people realize, whoa, I don't actually have someone to call right now, right? I don't have someone that I can turn to when I'm scared or maybe they're sick or maybe their family member's sick or maybe they lost their job or maybe they're going through a rough time. And yeah, they've got all these connections online and social media, but not someone that's actually can show up for them or drop off some soup or you know, go for a walk with them or get on the phone with them at, at that moment. And that's what we're really needing. That's what we really need. Like who's showing up to the birthday party with snacks, right? right. <laughs> well, look at what we took for granted during the pandemic, right? Like, I mean, sure. Obviously so many people experience financial hardship. Obviously people struggle with their health. I mean, unfortunately many people lost their lives, but the main thing, or one of the main things I would say is what was the biggest concern to people was the sense of being isolated, not being able to see their family during the holidays, not being able to see their friends on a regular basis, not being able to go out on a date, not being able to have face-to-face -face interactions with coworkers. And these were things that so many people like didn't even think about before COVID. They didn't even think about how much they took this stuff for granted or how much they really valued this until it was taken away. And I think that's, that tends to happen in life. We really don't begin to take stock in the things that are important to us or the things that we are grateful for until all of a sudden these things are taken yes. from us. I want to kind of touch on what we can do moving forward because clearly um, we can't change what's happened in the past. We can't change you know, where we are right now, as far as the loneliness state of our society, we can't change it like in this moment. But I think what we can do, like, as you point out in your book is take some steps, be intentional and a lot, some time to almost just hit bait, get some base hits every single day to foster and deepen new relationships and existing relationships so that they can be um, better connections for you long-term. So what's that process look like for people who right now, maybe they're, they're stuck and they're like, you know, I feel alone. I feel like I'm not as close with my family. I feel like I'm not as close with my friends. I feel like I haven't built a new relationship in years. Like what can I do? We will get you back to this episode of the adversity advantage in just one second. But first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and earth echo foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun 
maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Right. So I think first and foremost, starting with acceptance of just, this is a really hard time. <laughs> right. It's been a hard time, but actually this new phase is also complicated because people are at different levels in terms of their safety, acceptance, how quickly they're willing to jump in. It's almost like being at a swimming pool. And, you know, some people are diving in head first. Some people are doing a belly flop, like, let's go for it. Like, take me to the baseball game, like going to a party. I want to dance. I want to go to a club. Let's go, baby. And some people are like, I'm going to dip in, you know, maybe I'll see a few friends on Saturday outside at a backyard or barbecue or something. And then some people are just on the, on the pool chair, just saying, I'm chilling. Like you all have fun. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to watch you all on zoom, you know, from, (laughs) from the pool chair and just kind of meeting people where they are and just seeing this summer, this, this next phase is complicated too. So just giving, giving everyone kind of the benefit of the doubt and meeting them where they are, I think is first and foremost acknowledging what we've been through together. And then I think, you know, re thinking of a few people that you've lost track with that you kind of maybe didn't talk to on a regular basis through the pandemic, maybe writing their names on a post-it, putting that post-it on your bathroom mirror, on your bedroom wall, somewhere you're going to see it, just making an effort to kind of reconnect and reach out to those people. However, you best like to do that. Maybe it's writing a letter, maybe it's picking up the phone and calling them, sending them a text message, whatever kind of you prefer. Making that kind of an intention, I think, is going to immediately put a little bit more friendship juice kind of in, into your life. I think planning, you know, maybe a, a, a regular event, you know, I call it like a recurring ritual, whether it's a, a monthly uh, dinner gathering a hike where you can kind of start to get used to seeing people on a regular basis. It's not just a one-off event. So it happens and then it disappears, but it's always something you have to look forward to on the calendar, whatever kind of activity you love doing. It could be a you know a dinner party. It could be a book club, anything, but that's going to be, I think a great way to get some friendship dates kind of on your calendar it is a, is a great thing to do. And then also I'd say, you know, reaching out to more people in your community. I think we've all kind of been through this rough experience, just kind of making an intention now that we can actually see people's faces, hopefully, you know, your local coffee shop, the barista, the people at your grocery store, the people on your block, actually kind of having a few conversations with those people, I call it uh, being a minister for loneliness in your community, just kind of getting to know those folks because we've had to both, you know, physically not really we're supposed to remain apart from people, right? you know, for much of the past year. So maybe kind of trying to bring that together. Maybe you're not going to go up and hug people or kiss them on the cheek, obviously, but we can still take a moment and talk to them a little bit, get to know what's going on in their lives, ask them about their kids, ask them about their families. I think that that's a great way to kind of get out of this you know, a little bit of like, we've been in this kind of insular space to look outward a little bit more, right. To kind of begin to open our, 
open our eyes a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think there's a few things. Well, and I think there's a few things that, that you said that I, I kind of wanted to touch on. And one was the importance of acceptance and just knowing that it's okay. Like it's okay that we are where we are in some sense, because it's just the way it's been, unfortunately, right. for the past 15 months or whatever it's been. And that, you know, a lot of this is is not, hasn't been in our control. The ability for us not to be able to see our families, see our friends, go out on in-person dates, travel, like that wasn't in our control. So what we can control now though, is how we respond moving forward and take consistent action in some of the small steps that, that you mentioned, some other things that you said in the book, or even just like stuff that, you know, like common sense, really like on fostering and building a relationship. It could be just like scheduling a coffee date. Like you, you were saying, you're going into a coffee shop once a week. It could be just making sure that you're doing what you can to go exercise. And if you're not comfortable going into a gym, maybe you go on a trail and you meet up with people there. A hike, like you mentioned, it's showing up to these, these outdoor gatherings where with your friends and family. And just, if you're not you know, as comfortable being super close to one another, maybe you can at least, like you said, join in on zoom or, or be a little bit further apart, like whatever you're comfortable with. But I also think that the one thing I, I want to touch on with people is that we've created a new sense of normalcy with the social distancing. So I think it's important while I, I do believe that you should take precaution and do what's best for your, for your health and the health of others. I also want to say that it's going to be a little normal if you're scared and timid to go out and talk to people, to go out to gatherings, to meet people because of, what we've gone through in over the past year, year and a half, where we've been isolated. We haven't been going to gatherings. Things have been closed. You've been getting your groceries online. You've been ordering everything out. Like you, we haven't done a lot of anything because I think that's one thing that people are struggling with. They're like, well, how do I re-engage socially? Because most people have never had to deal with this before, right? Where they learned social yeah. skills when they were in grade school. And now it's like, they have to relearn them all over again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, again, that's part of the acceptance piece of just, this is a hard time. This yeah. actually, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, now we're, we're, we're through the hardest time. And yes, we maybe were through the actual hardest time in terms of, you know, of how bad the pandemic was, but this time is actually maybe even more awkward because, <laughs> you know, at least before a year ago, it was like, we're just socially distancing. We know the deal. We figured it out. We just got to basically stay at home, call people. You can go on a distance walk with people. That's it. We're all doing the same thing. Now everyone's doing very different things. It depends yeah. on where you live, depends on your comfort level, depends on your health situation and all of this stuff. So it's almost even more awkward, more weird, more bizarre, more uncomfortable. So just recognizing that I think is key. Also starting small. Yeah. Figuring out where your comfort level is and starting small. You know, if that for you is a hike with one person, great. That's fine. That's enough. That's all you need. Right. If it's, Hey, I'm going to do a, a backyard gathering or a meet in the park and have a, have some food with folks or do outdoor dining. Great. That's cool too. If it's, I'm going to have a small dinner party at home with people I trust. Awesome. Great. You know, if it's going on a little trip with a couple people, you know, that's cool too, right? All of these things, it's just kind of figuring out what your comfort level is and then making an effort. So I don't think that there's a right answer. It's more of just figuring out where you're at, what you're looking for 
and going from there and understanding that we're not going to be at the same place. But I think having that intention to start small, move slow, you know, without, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ideal to jump in and dive in. (laughs) Uh, That's who you are and that's what you're going for. Like that's, that's great. But I don't think most people that's going to be the, the healthiest or easiest way to go about it. Well, and I think there's, there's probably some sense to people being like, I can't believe we're even having this conversation. I can't believe we're even having to learn how to do this. Right. right. Where they're like, I never thought in a million years I'd be encouraged to just put a hike in the calendar with, with a friend or put like going, making sure I'm like going to a coffee shop once a week or that I'm buying my groceries in store. People are sure saying, I never thought in a million years that I'd be second guessing any of this stuff. And I know a lot of people were ordering stuff online as it was, and people were having interactions through social media. But I think a lot of people, even in the context you were saying that that people weren't spending nearly as much time in person with their loved ones, people were still going out. People were still going to gatherings. People were still traveling. They were having fun. And now, obviously, the pandemic has put a squeeze on a lot of that. But it looks like we're coming out of it right? With everything that's, that's gone on over the last few months. So I think, cause we're not going to be in the pandemic, I hope forever. So I think I'd like to take our conversation now to what are some of the steps you talk about in your book and some of the stuff you do personally to, to really help deepen meaningful relationships and friendships when we're not so to, in a pandemic, so to speak, like stuff that you can do and not have to worry about the distancing and not have to worry about like what's going on in the outside world. Right. So I think, you know, first and foremost, one of the things is really being able to try new things. Yeah. Right. And, and being open to, you know, if someone asks you to do something that you've never done before, go for it, try it. Right. If someone asks you like, oh, I've never gone salsa dancing, or I don't know, I don't want to take a cooking class or like, I don't want to go to that sh- a comedy show or, I, you know, something like that, whatever it is, go to that thing. Right. If it kind of makes you a little bit nervous or scared, it's probably going to be an interest. At the very least, you'll learn something. You'll learn something about yourself. You'll probably meet a couple of interesting people that's worth doing. So being open to new things, going outside your comfort zone, trying new experiences, I think hopefully that's another thing that we kind of took for granted. I remember I used to always be like, ah, Saturday night, I don't want to go to your, I'm not going to that party. I don't want to go to your, you know, thing on, you know, Tuesday night, I'm not trying to leave the house or I don't want to take a, you know, a Lyft or an Uber all the way across town. (laughs) Like now I'd be like, I'll go to anything, like invite me to your things. So a little bit being open to those, those opportunities, those experiences, I think is great. You know, another thing I think that we can do is, you know, hosting a friend showcase. So this is where you get a bunch of people together and see what their talents are. It's kind of like a talent show, but you know, whatever they want to contribute, maybe that one friend wants to cook, one friend wants to read a poem, one friend wants to tell a story like a Ted talk or something. One friend wants to talk about what they're doing at work or a new business, play a song whatever, just kind of creating that sense where your friends can really share their gifts, I think is really amazing. Joining a men's group or a women's circle, I think are really great opportunities for folks to kind of, again, it's a regular recurring ritual. You're meeting people over time. You get to know a group of five or 10 people really intimately, get to know what they're working on, their struggles, relationship challenges. You get to work on your own stuff, your own relationship, your own work, your own relationship to self. I think is that that's a beautiful thing. And then just kind of really coming up with a little bit more of experience-based rituals. So if you think about, I, I, I have a section in here called, you know, think like a chief experience officer. So if you're having a dinner party, you know, just don't just like have 
have the dinner party, think about what each person could bring that might be intentional. Maybe everyone plays a, their favorite song that they love from during the pandemic that really got them through or says, I will survive probably, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Or one thing they're looking forward to post-pandemic life, you know, before you start eating dinner or someone that they're grateful for. Just adding that lo- level of experience to everything that we do right now, I think builds that emotional connection. And it's just another layer of deepening that kind of emotional connection. I think also the intergenerational piece, spending more time with people that are older and younger than you is so powerful. It's been proven to lead to more purpose and more growth and learning for both sides, for everyone involved. And it can be really healthy. And I think one of the things that we saw maybe from the pandemic is that, you know, our culture specifically in the United States, doesn't do the best job of taking care of older people. And that we could certainly do a better job of really having that as part of fundamental part of our culture and our society. So I hope that another thing that emerges from this is that we think about that more and think about how we can get get more involved, whether it's volunteering or making spending more time with people that are older than us and, and really kind of thinking, having those conversations, reaching out to a grandparent or a great aunt or uncle more than just, you know, infrequently and really developing those relationships, I think is really beautiful. Well, yeah. And I know that's something you're big on too. And and why do you think people just tend to spend time with people that are their age? I mean, you think about like one of the questions when people are dating, for instance, like age is always a big thing. Like if there's a gap of more than five years, 10 years, older, younger people, I'm not saying it doesn't happen because obviously it does, but people tend to shy away from it. Or if you look at friend groups, people typically they're right around the same age within a few years of each other within their friend group. Do you think people, they just don't relate to people that are older or younger? Do you think it's just that they have this thing just ingrained in their mind that they're supposed to be surrounding themselves with people that are their age? Cause that's what it was like in school. Like, what do you think it, it comes back to? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a normalized thing from, you know, when you're a kid, you, you're friends with people in your grade, your friend, yeah. you know, freshmen, you're, we're freshmen. We're not, oh, those are the senior, the seniors are like, oh, those are freshmen. We don't talk to the freshmen, that type of thing. But as you get older and adult, you realize that it kind of doesn't matter. And in fact, most of the most inspiring conversations I've had and people that have really touched my life have either been way younger than me or way older than me. Right. right. Like when I went to that program, that leadership program I mentioned that really changed my life and, and, and inspired me to quit my job. The most of the people that were there were way, were, I was almost 30. They were 18 or 20, 21. And initially I was like, Oh, these youngins, they don't know what's going on. Like they're young. They, they, and they were, had already started companies, had gotten venture capital, you know, had done all of these things. And I was like, Oh my God, I have so much to learn from these young people, right. These go-getters. And I think that, you know, people, people express that when they actually kind of think outside the box and not just assume that someone, oh, they're Gen Z, they're a millennial, they're in college, they don't know anything. We have so much to learn from each other. And if we actually, you know, one of the cool things about Camp Grounded that I mentioned that my friend had started, right, right, my friend who passed away is that we don't talk about age at camp. So there's no, how old are you? So these people get to be themselves. Yeah. They're not... 18 or 21 or 38 or 62 or, oh, wow, you're in your eighties. Like, okay. They're just who they are. And you really get to just connect on a human level. If we take the age out of it, you just get to see who someone is and what their authentic self is all about and what their story is and what they're into and what they like to talk about. And you really can connect with them on a much deeper level than just by putting them in a box and assuming, you know, everything based on their age. Yeah. And I think one of the the benefits too is being able to develop a deeper sense of empathy for one another, which we all know is 
so important for friendships, relationships, happiness, your, your mind, like empathy is super important. And you can, it's hard to really understand someone unless you've put yourself in their shoes. So like you hear a lot where people will be like, oh, those baby boomers, those millennials or this, that, and the other. But I think if you can learn to spend more time, like if you're a guy who's like in your thirties, like I'm in my thirties, if I spend more time with, with people that are in their early twenties, I could understand more why they think the way they do or why their values are the way they are or how they act. Exactly. The same with older people. And that's one of the things that, that I've, I, I wouldn't say I've struggled with, with older people was like understanding people that are older who haven't grasped onto the idea of using a cell phone. Well, I know of cell phones and, and social media, they, there's a lot of negativity that goes around it. There's a lot of positive things that can come from it. So if you're somebody that has family across the country and you can't physically see them, you can hop on your, an, your iPhone and FaceTime them where people who haven't grasped that in the older generation, they're missing out on so much potential. I know it's not like the human connection that we're talking about here, but it's connection to be able to have a face-to-face conversation with people that they love. And when talking to people like my grandparents, for instance, and being able to understand that they didn't have that as a kid, a lot of this didn't exist until what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, right. I'm, I don't, I'm dating my, I don't even exactly know when, what the year was, but that was like their normal. Just like a lot of us have our normal where we don't, we don't know what it's like without a cell phone. We don't know what it's like without Instagram or social media. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I talk about a woman and my partner's great aunt Deb, she's yeah. 98. She just turned 98 years old. I talk about her in the book. She talks about how the pandemic was the best year of, of her life. And she got to start going to all these classes on zoom. She's, you know, taking different class, you know, being able to go to do these things all around the world, go to, you know, events and operas and experiences because it's all on zoom now. Mm-hmm. And when you're 98 years old, you can't get around like that. You know, she would need someone to come get her to drive somewhere, all of these things. And so that was like, it was pretty remarkable that she had that kind of positive outlook with the technology. It was pretty beautiful. She got to experience all these things because those weren't happening you know, those didn't used to all be doing happening on virtually, right? Because people be like, you want to go see the show? You got to go to Broadway. You want to go see this opera? You got to go to the performance. You want to go see a DJ? You got to go to the club. And then during the pandemic, that was all happening online and she got access to all these things. So I thought it was kind of a, a beautiful moment of, yeah, technology can really bring us together. Also, you know, these apps can be really powerful. There's a lot of them that really are all about trying to get people to connect off of the app. You meet people on the app, whether it's next door that connects people with their neighbors or meetup, which shows meetups in your neighborhood, or there's intergenerational ones that are kind of fostering intergenerational dinner parties to get people from different age groups to come together. And then you actually, they encourage you to say, okay, how are we going to connect in real life? Right. Are we going to do an event in our neighborhood? You know, are we going to meet up in person? Are we going to have a phone call, video chat? So that's the, I think that it's not technology. It's not about technology being evil. It's right. how you're using the technology. Yeah. And it's, in, it's in your intentions, like with any, just like anything in life, it's like, how are you using it? And I think you're right. You think about like all the, the people's lives that were destroyed financially or in other areas during the pandemic, what it would have been like if things like Zoom didn't exist, Skype, right. FaceTime, right. like what would have happened to a lot of these businesses that were able to pivot so quickly online to being able to have conversations like you and I are having or meetings, or I'm a personal trainer too. So being able to train my clients, like couldn't have done that without technology. Right. right. So, and the, and the, I kind of want to 
as we like wrap up our conversation, I want to kind of close on something you, you touched on a few minutes ago where we were talking, you were talking about the importance of surrounding yourself with, with new friend groups, joining a men's group, joining a women's group, because I think what happens is after we graduate high school, after we graduate college, you know, a lot of times we might get into a career and we have our group of friends there and that they can stay our group of friends for years. If we're at that company forever, but we lose the ability to actually go out and meet new people. And I think it's so important that if, whether it's at a, a local organization, whether it's at a church, whether it's at a wellness center, a meetup group, whatever it is, getting around people that are new people that you can go and, and spend time with that you can learn from, that you can help to bounce ideas off of whatever the case may be. But I think one of the, the struggles people have, Smiley, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to friendships is like, how do they know that they're in the right group? Like, how mm. can people really tell if they're, if they're in the right community of people? Because they might say, well, that person, they seem nice and that person seems to cheer me on, but how do I really know if I'm in the right spot? Yeah. I mean, I think it's that sense of feeling accepted, right? That everyone's looking for that sense of belonging, of feeling seen and heard and feeling like you know, people accept you for who you are. That's what really what we're going for. You know, I don't think it's about like perfection where it's always perfect. You know, like that's not, that's not humanity. <laughs> no. You know, that's, that's not, I don't know any family that feels that way, or I don't know any partnership that's that way, or even a best friend that that that's not what it's about, but it's about like, okay, these people see me, they know who I am. I can be myself around them. I can make mistakes around them. They, there's trust, right? There's there's trust and, and real communication there. And, you know, and when you don't experience that, that's like kind of an indication, oh, this might not be the place for me, or we need to have a conversation to see if this is the place for me, or these are not my people, or especially if people are making you feel excluded or, you know, saying things that you think are offensive or that type of thing, you know, that's a kind of a, a warning sign that maybe you need to find some new people to spend time with. But I think what we're all going for is really that sense of you feel like you belong. You feel like that that's home. Really, it's that yeah. sense of home. And I, and I also would like add one more thing is like, where's, where's your life going when you're around those people? Because you see a lot of people, if you look at, they just, they, they, even when people say get sober, they get into recovery from drugs, they have a hard time leaving their friends. And even though they might feel quote unquote accepted, they might feel like they have some sense of community. At the end of the day, you know, these, a lot of people could potentially influence them to go back making the same poor choices that they were in their past. And I would say that the people should really spend time like getting deep and spending that like delegated alone time that, that we were talking about to really get clear on what you want in your relationships, what you want for yourself, where you want to go. So that way you can align people that have common futures and not just common past. Right. I mean, ideally you want people that have been in your life forever to kind of go on with you forever. I mean, that would be great, but it's not realistic. You know, we, we go through different phases in life and we'll, we'll meet new people and we'll have to let go of some old friends or we'll have to keep more at a distance. And that's, that's why I think it's, it's incredibly valuable to practice self-awareness for yourself first. Like, I believe you can't be a friend of yourself. You can't be a friend of other people, right? You got to learn to treat yourself with respect. Yeah. I, I like what you said there about the interest of your best self. Right. Right. In mind, it's not just you, it's kind of who's looking out for your, your best self, who's trying to kind of make you even better person or even better human or, and those are the types of people you want to spend more time with. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think people just need to know that if something's feeling off in the people that you're surrounding yourself with, or you're noticing that, 
maybe your life isn't where, where it is, or you're noticing, you're noticing that your mood has just been down for a long time, or you're not making the right decisions or that maybe it's just time to like, be like, well, well, who am I spending time with? Because you become your environment. If you're around 10 people that are constantly pessimistic and putting you down and not going after their goals, you're going to become that person. Right. And just like if you're, you, yeah. You're the product like, of the people you spend the most, the five, the five people you spend the most time with, I think is the, yeah, it's what Jim, say. I think Jim Rohn, I think says that. Yeah, and I think it's, right. that's going to be a quote that lives forever. Cause it's so true. And, and smile, I gotta be honest. I honestly never thought in a million years that I would have a conversation like this, where I would be like, all right, how do we talk about like building friendships when we're isolated? But right. when I, when your team reached out to me, I was like, man, this, this couldn't be a perfect, more perfect time to have this kind of conversation because there's a lot of people that are, that have struggled, I think, to build relationships just even before the pandemic. And a lot of people now that are like, what do I do? Like, I mean, do I just stay inside all the time? Because I don't, I don't know if I have the confidence anymore to walk up to a stranger. I don't know if I have the confidence anymore to, to attend a social gathering. So like, what do I do? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and also just, you know, it's so simple. Again, remember, it's like, we know that this is what we're all looking for, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Simple is different than easy, right? It's simple, but we don't, it doesn't make it easy. And one of my hopes with this book was to kind of create it, a digestible, accessible book that people could pick up whenever they're feeling a little lonely, whenever they're like, how do I do this again? Oh, how, it's like, I'm like, how to friend, right? Yeah. It's like how to friend, you know? And I hope, and I think that that's what this is all about. Well, for sure. And I think what's, what's probably happened too is people are, even though that we're in this, we've been in a pandemic and have been in isolation, people are still like caught up in their ways, if you will, like they're still set in their ways. So during the times that they were used to evolving and growing when they were kids and building relationships that way, people now kind of have to change the way they do things because, you know, you get into a rhythm as you're an adult, as you get a job, as you get into, and if you're married or you have kids, like you're in that rhythm of life. And it's hard to really change it unless something changes it when the pandemic's kind of changed it, if you will. And now people are forced to do different things. People are forced to say, you know, I, I don't really see that person as much as I did. I got to schedule in like 30 minutes a day, two hours a week, whatever it is to foster these relationships and these connections or two years will go by and you're like, man, I, I wonder why I haven't heard from that person. And it's because that friendship's kind of died off. So I think it's, I think this is an important topic and I, I'm just glad that we had this. Yeah. I'm glad. Thanks for having me on. I think it, I think it's timely. I think it's important. I hope it's always important and not just, not just now. And I think that it, I think that hopefully that this, this moment will make us remember that this is something that we need to put at the center of, of our lives always. Absolutely. So friendship in the art of loneliness, where can people find it? Yeah, you can check out the book on Amazon or wherever you like to buy books. Uh, you can learn more about me at my website, smileypozwalski.com or on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at What's Up Smiley. What's Up Smiley, I like it. I like it. And I, and I think people are going to get a lot out of this conversation. I think people are going to want to read your book. And, and I want to remind people, like his book is broken up into like bite-sized pieces. So it's not a book you you're going to sit down and you're going to be overwhelmed by you. Literally, it's like a chapter is like a page or two. You just kind of just can peruse through it yeah. at your own pace. Maybe you, you focus on one section one day, another section, another, maybe you just read three or four chapters, which might be in total like 10 pages. And you can just kind of just 
take it from there. Because I think the whole theme of our conversation today was just to go at your own pace when it comes to building relationships, be consistent, do the small things. Remember small things add up to big wins. Don't try to you know, go and, and build 25 new relationships tomorrow because it's not realistic, nor is it going right. to work. Just do the simple things, the little things every single day. And what I want you all to do as well is take a screenshot of this episode. And maybe it was a takeaway, something you learned. Maybe it was a stat that Smiley shared. Maybe it was a tip he gave on how to deepen a friendship, how to build a new relationship. Tag Smiley at WhatsApp Smiley. Tag myself. Or if you happen to buy his book, make sure to tag him and tag myself with a takeaway you learned about his book from the episode, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.